Hello, and welcome to Racing Incident, a Formula One and sometimes other motorsport series podcast in an American accent. I'm Anna, and I have a very special guest here tonight with us. Uh, very excited to talk to him and introduce him to you in just a moment. But first, don't forget to please subscribe to us on YouTube if you're not already. Um, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice if you're not already. And of course, I'm sure you are, but you know, you want to know when the episodes come out. So subscribe and uh, please rate and review us if you have a moment. Uh, we're trying to get to 100 ratings on Spotify, which sounds pathetically low, but help us out to get there and then then we'll move on from there. Um, and we're trying to get to like 50 ratings on Apple Podcasts. If you listen there, please also write us a review if you have a chance, because um, that really helps. And of course, follow us on the socials. We are at racing underscore incident on Twitter and Instagram. So they're both the same at racing underscore incident. And tell people about us. Tell them about how awesome the show is and that they should check it out. Okay, now that that is out of the way, let me introduce our wonderful guest, and uh, his name is John Oriovitz, and John is, hello. <laughs> hello, John, hello. Hello, hello. Um, John is an author, writer, most versatile motorsport journalist of his time, uh, I think was... Uh, <laughs> something close to that yeah. was something we discussed before we started recording <laughs> it was all john's idea and uh i said that i would be happy to give him that moniker and Shameless uh, self-promoter yeah i mean well you have to be you know right mm, you know quite true i think so um and uh now i know john so far from mainly from reading his book indie split Hey, I recognize that. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I think you've seen that before, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, um, a great book, and um, I recommend people to check it out. But don't worry if you haven't read it, because I think this conversation is going to be approachable for everyone, uh, whether you've read it or not. And don't worry if you're a primarily Formula One fan, like we are on the show, technically speaking. But um, I think there's a lot of interesting things to learn and talk about. Uh, as regards IndyCar, and uh, we're going to do that on this show. Uh, but um, first of all, John, can you, um, you know, can you go a bit into this in your book, but can you tell, um, you know, our listeners and, and our viewers kind of, uh, you know, your origin story, so to speak? How did you get into covering motorsport and uh, how, how did that all happen? It, it's appropriate for your podcast because my initial interest in racing was formula one ah. um when when i was a, a kid my parents were grad students at penn state and they uh, they were in you know english majors as well so they, <laughs> they they wanted me to read and their tactic for getting me to read something that i seemed interested in is they got me a subscription to road and track magazine which Smart. In, in the mid 70s road and track was as much track as it was road um, and, it, and it's kind of returning to that in its modern guise as well. Anyway, the, the, the point of my story is, is that in the September 1975 issue, I opened it up and there's this picture of, uh, and I, I still have the magazine in, in my, in my den here. Uh, there's this beautiful color picture of Nikki Lauda and the Ferrari 312T. You can actually mm. see a, a 312T. Ah, so, nice. And I, I, 
for whatever reason, having only read the, you know, the Volkswagen road tests up to that point, <laughs> I decided to read the race report of the Monaco Grand Prix. And Road and Track had a, an English gentleman named Rob Walker who wrote the Formula One reports in those days. And he was the the heir to the Johnny Walker whiskey uh, family. Uh. And he, I mean, his, his, his occupation on his passport was literally listed as gentleman. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, uh, because that's Wait, what Rob Walker was. That's not an occupation. <laughs> it was for Rob Walker. All oh, right, and I, I, must and be I nice. Spo- I suppose if you're the Johnny Walker heir, you can be a gentleman. <laughs> but 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 Rob was a, a you know this English gentleman who had a, a legendary career in auto racing. He was the privateer owner who, uh, when Sterling Moss won the first Formula One races for Lotus. It was in a Rob Walker private Lotus. It wasn't in a team Lotus, a green and yellow Lotus. It was in a blue and white Rob Walker Lotus. Anyway, I I started reading the race reports and uh, I I got very interested in Formula One. And this is 1975, the Lauda championship year. And then I really started following it in 76, which was the the Lauda James Hunt year. And of course, Mm -hmm. Nikki had his horrible accident at the Nürburgring that year. And I was 11 years old and my outlet to it was the New York Times and, and things like that. But it, it, it drew me in. And, and when he came back at Monza, you know, Wide World of Sports was there for the coverage. And, and CBS televised the, the Watkins Glen Grand Prix, the one that Hunt won over Schechter with, with Lauda, a very distant third. And they had some kind of coverage of, of the finale in 76 as well. I mean, I'm sure it was just, you know, five minutes of highlights on the CBS <laughs> right. Sports Spectacular or something. But Was that um, all there was back then? There was, it was, there was no, like... So... When Mario Andretti went back into Formula One in in '76 yeah. full time, yeah. there became more interest, and and they the U.S. Grand Prix was live in '76 um, right. from Watkins Glen. Uh, in '77, one of my early memories is again I'm 12 years old, but I remember watching Long Beach '77 live. Oh yeah, and Lauda was on the pole, and and the the, the lights were. He couldn't see the lights from the grid, so he made a horrible start. He fell to third, no, and, and it was, no. it was, you know, by Formula One standards of any era, it was a great race. With with uh, Jody Schechter led like the first seventy six laps, and then he had a slow puncture in a rear tire. <clears throat> Finally, Mario passed him, two three laps to go. Mario couldn't get by the whole time because the Lotus seventy eight was horribly slow on the straights. It was the first ground mm-hmm. effect car, and then they improved a lot of that on the seventy nine the following year. But he finally got by Schechter and then Lauda got by. So Mario won the Long Beach Grand Prix in 1977. And he's credited with saving the race uh, because, huh. you know, it, it was always on kind of shaky ground the first couple of years. Mm. And when Mario won, it, it helped them secure a sponsorship with Toyota and some other things like that. Uh, and, and my interest just kind of grew from there. And, and at the same time, we moved. We had just moved from Pennsylvania to Indiana and my fifth grade class took a in West Lafayette, Indiana, took a a field trip to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Mm -hmm. And I was just starting to get into the, you know, the racing through road and track. But I mean, what really interested me there that year was James Garner, uh, the actor was driving the pace car. They had had this Buick Century pace car with this newfangled turbocharged V6 engine in it that that Buick was just unleashing on the the public. (laughs) And and uh, James Garner at the time was doing a television show called The Rockford Files, which was an okay, right, television right. show. And so to <laughs> you know to, to be that close to to Jim Rockford was, <laughs> and I started going. Um, my parents were English professors. They they didn't 
they didn't have an interest in cars and racing or anything <laughs> like that. But when they saw me starting to get interested, um, sometime in 1976, uh, a Janet Guthrie car was on display at the Bryant Heating and Cooling Store in Lafayette, Indiana. So I went and the first race car I saw in person was, it wasn't the car that Janet Guthrie qualified the following year, but it was the, the blue Bryant car that she she drove in 76. And then my first day at a racetrack was actually the day that Janet Guthrie qualified for the Indy 500, a very historic day Cool. Um, in 1977. And then I went to the race for the first time in 78. And I just started being a junkie. I, I discovered I could ride my bicycle across the bridge and, and there was a newsstand over there that had something other than the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Mm. So I started getting Indianapolis Star and I discovered Robin Miller, uh, who was... I don't know if your audience is familiar with Robin, but Robin was the preeminent uh, American auto racing journalist, not Formula One or not NASCAR, but just IndyCar and, mm -hmm. and you know, circle track racing and everything. Um, and I, I discovered, you know, my parents would go on these trips to England to do research. You know, <laughs> it's kind of very, very mysterious, you know, for, for the you know, for the dissertation <laughs> that, that never got done. Ah, uh, sure, um, sure. <laughs> Tale was old this time. <laughs> the the souvenirs they would bring back for me were car magazines. Oh, nice. So I discovered Autosport and things uh -huh. like that. And, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, yeah. And and for me, the, the sad aspect of it all was my parents recognized when I was 15. It's like, oh, you need to be an auto racing journalist. And I somehow did nothing between 15 and 25 to, <laughs> to do that. Um, which is, you know, it's, I, I blame myself for that. Uh, I worked at an auto parts company and, um, you know, I, I, well, I, guess I, I, got, I think it all turned out okay though. Wouldn't you say? I hope so. I, I got some living <laughs> out of the way. Uh, but I, but I, I went back, I decided, um, as much as anything to, um, to satisfy my parents, I'd never finished my college degree when I started it at, at Purdue and I tried to go to Penn State and got homesick and came home. And I, I decided, well, if I'm going to be a journalist, I need a journalism degree. And I learned certainly to be an auto racing journalist, that isn't necessarily true. Uh, Robin being a case in point, I mean, he proudly proclaimed about how he flunked out of Ball State. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of the greats, whether it's Gordon Kirby, you know, he doesn't have a college education. Dennis Jenkinson had had no education. I mean, I don't of. think you need, to be quite honest, um, um, I don't think you need it for, there are other, there are plenty of other areas of journalism that I don't think you need. <laughs> I mean, I used to be a um, reporter, actually, and I didn't go to journalism school, and I didn't, um, you know, I, th I think especially these days, um and you know i mean in the past too there were ways people would i mean w wasn't that how it was back in the day <laughs> i don't want to make it sound like it was 100 years ago <laughs> I'm you know, here's, to be nice. <laughs> here's the thing that i don't remember because i started college in the 80s i resumed college in the 90s and i mopped up my degree in 2011 oh, okay um because the next step of my story is I'm going to the Indianapolis campus of Indiana University. I'm trying to get this journalism degree, and I feel like I'm getting close. And so in February of 93, I wrote a letter to the Speedway. And it got in the right person's hands. And in my letter, I said, you know, I'll make copies and empty waste baskets and get coffee for Robin Miller, whatever it takes. <laughs> and as it happened, this guy, Bob Walters, had lunch with Robin that day. And and I knew Robin a little bit at that time. And he said, ah, Oreo, he's a great kid. You know, he'll help you out. Um, 
Um, I had, I didn't know that Robin drank exclusively Pepsi at that time. So that was, <laughs> to come. Anyway, they hired me for $1,200 to work the month of May in 1993 as a media center intern. And the reason nice. that they, they found this big budget and the need for a second intern, there was a girl called Victoria Vanderwell from Iowa, uh, who I'm still friends with um, after all these years. Hi, Vic. Aww. Um, she'd already gotten the job. And I guess um, I, I was kind of overqualified. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, um, but, but anyway, they and, and the reason they needed someone else is because Nigel Mansell was racing Indy cars that year. He had come oh, to a contract right. impasse with Williams. He didn't want Alon Prost as his teammate. Mm -hmm. And so he, in a, in kind of a huff, stormed off to Indy cars and he, mm -hmm. he essentially traded places with Michael Andretti. Michael Andretti went to Europe right. and raced with McLaren. Right. And Nigel took over Michael Andretti's seat at Newman Haas in the best, most developed, you know, the strongest car in the series. And and Mansell brought with him this enormous amount of international media attention. Right, right. Um, I at can his imagine. First, at his it's first probably test packed, in, right? In the oh, yeah. I mean, at, at, at his first test in Phoenix, you know, two or 300 journalists came over from Europe just to watch oh him test in God. IndyCar for the first two time. Or that is a yeah. lot. It was nuts. The, the PR guy, a guy called Michael Knight, uh, he, wow. he resorted to, like, using a bullhorn. To, <laughs> All right, let's stay away from Nigel. So. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, anyway, oh. um during the month of May, uh the key for me was meeting a bunch of the key Formula One journalists. And th those guys were my heroes. Uh Nigel Roebuck, Morris Hamilton, Alan Henry, uh David Tremaine. Guys like that were my heroes growing up. And and you know, to meet Nigel Roebuck, I mean that was I, I my mind was blown. And all those guys took me out to dinner one night at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. It's it's the legendary steakhouse here in Indianapolis. And it was my first time I'd ever been there. And, and and we're leaving. And and the guy that organized the dinner was a fellow named John Zamansky, and he was the Chip Ganassi racing PR guy at the time. And Ari Lyondike was driving for them, and he was fastest every day. So I got to know the PR guy pretty well. And and we're walking out, and he points to a picture just like this on the wall, one of these little like eight by tens. And it's a picture of Jim Clark in a, in a Lotus at Indianapolis in 1965. And he says, what's wrong with this picture? This is your initiation test. <laughs> and I looked at the picture for a minute and I said, that car's on Goodyear tires and it's supposed to be on Firestones. And he's like, you're in. <laughs> and and, and odd, it, just something stupid like that, just a stupid little bit of knowing that trivia, it garnered me the respect of these guys mm -hmm. because they're like, mm -hmm. that, that kid knows his shit. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, so with with Robin's help, with Gordon Kirby's help, uh, by the time the next race in the kart series occurred at Milwaukee in 1993, I had a hard card. I didn't have any assignments or anything like that. But I had these guys out there saying, you know, hey, you know, if you got any extra work, throw it, throw it this kid's way. And I just started picking stuff up piecemeal here and there. Mm -hmm. I covered the series in 94 for Auto Car magazine, which is uh, an English magazine that's owned was owned by the same company as Autosport. And again, it was all in the Mansell Trail. Uh, but the key thing that happened in 94 is I met the guys from uh, Raynard, Rick Gorn and Adrian Raynard. And I spent the next couple of years doing a bit of low-key PR for them while still doing stuff for Autosport, Autocar. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had to get a real job at that point. <laughs> so, and, and that was... Well, it happens to us all. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was more likely to happen in PR than journalism. And so I, right, right. I, I took a job as a PR man for a couple of years and 
he was with PacWest Racing, which was kind of a newish team at the time. It was owned by a, a billionaire from Seattle named Bruce McCaw. And the year that I went to work there in 97, they had a couple ex-Formula One guys. They had Mauricio Guzman and they had Mark Blundell. And I looked at this. I came in, you know, being this know-it-all journalist. And I'm like, <laughs> All right, here's a couple mid-pack F1 guys with, you know, a no-name team and, and not the best Cosworth or Honda engine. And, you know, what's going to, you know, no way. <laughs> well, they won four races. Ah. Uh, Mauricio was fast all year. Uh, he was unlucky to win only once. He finally won at Vancouver. And by that time, Mark had won twice. Mark won uh, at Portland in what is still the closest road racing finish in an IndyCar race in history over Gilles DeFerrin. Uh, right there, that picture. Yeah, nice. Um, and then Mark won again in Toronto. And then at the end of the year at the California 500 at Roger Penske's track. And then in 98, we had a year that was as bad as 97 was good because Mercedes <laughs> Ilmore introduced a new engine that was a hand mm. grenade. And I'd already decided at that point that I had my fill of PR. I didn't like, <laughs> form. I didn't like the hours. And, um, so I, I got back into the press in 99 and that's where I've been since. Um, I started out with, with the more fun web. side. Yeah, the, the the company that that was operating Cart's website uh, hired me for a few years. Um, I had a legitimate journalistic outlet through National Speed Sport News, but as you probably know, certainly in a niche industry like IndyCar racing or whatever, you have yeah. to have commercial work right. in addition right. to. And and that's a you know that it's a, it's a tightrope you got to walk. You know, it's like you got to wear a PR hat when you're when you're doing your commercial work. And, you know, then you put on your journalism hat. Right. Um, and I, I thought I did that pretty well for a long time. Um, you know, went through as a, as a freelancer, effectively, you know, you just you, you go through a lot of ups and downs and everything. I sure. worked for Robin Miller uh, when he left ESPN in 2003 to go to work for the Speed Channel. He basically said, hire Oreo, and they did. <laughs> and so from 2004 to 2017, I covered not just IndyCar racing. And this is this is where I joke about, you know, being America's most versatile. <laughs> because I feel like I can competently cover NASCAR. I write the text for the NASCAR Cup Series yearbook right now, for example. Oh. I competently cover sports cars. I am one of the main contributors for IMSA's wire service. I can competently cover drag racing. I did that for ESPN. I can competently cover Formula One because it has been my passion since I was 11 years old. Yeah. And uh, and IndyCar just happened to be, when, when I grew up through the 80s and into the 90s, IndyCar racing became this fantastic blend of the best of Formula One and traditional American racing. Mm. Because the cars got increasingly closer to Formula One with higher technology. Right. You had... All the, you know, you had Rick Mears and Al Unser Jr. and Al Unser Sr. and, and you know, the Andrettis and the, Uns, you, know, you, you had, you had all the American drivers and you had the oval tracks, but then all of a sudden you had Emerson Fittipaldi and Teo Fabi and mm -hmm. Nigel Mansell and Ari Leyendijk and a, a, a bunch of great international guys as well. And you had a great mix of American and international talent. You had road courses, street courses, ovals. Cars that looked great, sounded great, 
And then it's probably the lead into my book. One guy decided to drop <laughs> a nuclear bomb on the whole thing. Right. Um, well, so one of the things I wanted to ask is what, what made you want to write the book? How did that come about? You know, did you, was that just something you've always wanted to do or? I mean, the, the short, the, the flip answer is somebody had to do it just because it was, <laughs> it was, it was such a significant overarching storyline of IndyCar racing for the right. last 50 years or more. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about it is, is, you know, you say Indy split and okay, it's got a picture of a cart car and an IRL car on the cover, but that's the split didn't start in 1996. Right. Which I had no idea about. Now I had very little, I, I had only a passing understanding of even the, the, the main split that people <laughs> talk about that, you know, that people right. know about kind of, you know, by osmosis, if you're around a lot of people who are um, into motorsport and IndyCar specifically. So I only knew about that. I, I didn't know obviously all the history and all that and, and how you really classified it as almost like three splits. So the 96 know? split happened because the 79 split never got satisfactory. Results. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the 79 split was a result of just stuff that lingered for 20 or 30 years. Uh, they didn't like it when when Lotus and Cooper and the rear engine cars came in, in the 60s. Right. And, and the locals held a lot of resentment toward technology, toward foreigners. And unfortunately, it's, it's kind of a, a, a picture, a broader picture of America even today. Yeah. What was going on in Indianapolis and the way that mm-hmm. they they were not world-minded and and just you know open-minded and inclusive yeah um and and so all this you know to tell the story you have to go back to the holman family acquiring the indianapolis motor speedway because shortly after they did that there was the the events of 1955 when you know 80 deaths at le mans alberto ascari killed um you know bill vukovich killed in the indy 500 um, the AAA American Automobile Association, which sanctioned racing, it mm-hmm. pulled out of racing with immediate effect in 1955. It was right. just too much for them. They didn't want to be associated with the death and carnage and everything. And so, Can't what Tony Holman, so so Tony <laughs> Holman, in addition to you know owning the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, he was the the organizer of what became United States Auto Club, which took over the sanction of a lot of major racing series, including the, the champ cars or whatever they were called in those days, they didn't generically become known as Indy cars until the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tony Holman wielded a lot of power. Um, and, and as a result, Indianapolis wielded a lot of power and it, and it still does. And still you know, does. Yeah. I think for, that that's one of the most, for worse. yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. I think that's one of the most interesting things, um, about you know this whole history in the book and, and in general and all the different splits and everything is that you know a lot of the things that you read sometimes that are more historical um you know, don't necessarily have a ton of relevance sometimes to what's going on today but this is the opposite of that there's still a ton of as we're going to get to there's well and, a ton and, of- and if, if you want to get into some modern relevance there are a lot of parallels between what happened in indycar racing and what, what is currently happening in professional golf with, with right, DGA right, exactly. The so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah, um, yeah. It's um, look. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm IMS Cup here. Oh, so. nice, nice. Um, I, I'm still. Uh, I mean, I have yet to go to um, a motor race of any kind. 
because also it's hard for me to um, get to things because um, regular listeners know this, but I, um, my son is autistic and nonverbal and it's, um, I'm his primary caregiver. So it's, it's, it's difficult to be away, um, for That's any tough. length of time. So I just live vicariously through other people. <laughs> well, it's tough. And you're a hero for, for being there. Oh, for your son. thank you. I, I, I don't think so. I think anyone would, you know, who loves their child would, um, would care for them as best they could, um, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying thank you. with mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're doing well. Are they Are they into motorsport or? I, I have one son. He's about to turn 17. And okay. We just actually returned from Watkins Glen. Ah, we're, we're so yes, the, the answer is yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, it's 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 been interesting. His his passion is actually airplanes. Ah, he wants. Well, to there's fly. some similarities there. Yeah, he wants yeah. to fly. But um, but he does love love racing. Um, and he's, the neat thing is the last couple of years as I've uh, done the full IMSA tour, he has a lot of friends internationally who love sports car racing. And this is a great time for sports car racing right now. There's new cars. There's tons of excitement. And, and cool. so he's, he had cachet when he got to go to Sebring this year and, and see the World <laughs> Endurance Championship in addition to the IMSA series. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had the, that's the other thing. I, I wish I had uh, the time and the whatever to get into like lots of other racing series, or I have a lot of friends who are into MotoGP. I have people who are into, you know, world super bikes, people who are into IMSA or into other sports car racing. And I'm like, I can't, how do you people do this? Do you like, do you know? <laughs> I'm like, how how are you, how are you doing this? How are you watching all this stuff? How are you, or a lot of it, you know, they maybe not. So it's, I, I don't know how people do it. I, I, um, I'm more of like, uh, the type of person where I have to, I, I would not be the, even if I'd had your, your life story, I probably would not be the world's most versatile, uh, motorsport journalist, which <laughs> is that I think that you, I think that, uh, you'd be at the best at what you chose though. That's right. Maybe it would be, yeah, it would be more like that. I tend to like to do more of a, a which is weird because actually in life in general, I think I'm a bit of a dilettante, but anyway, um, <laughs> when I get into something, I really get into it. And then sometimes two years later, then I do something else anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, can you, um, so talk to, talk to me a little bit about, and, you know, to uh, listeners who may not have read the book, uh, to how it was that, how, how it was that the earlier problems led to, you know, the split that maybe more people know about what was, you know, how draw a line, you know, from, from that to, um, to what happened later on. Okay. So the 79 split happened because the team owners, predominantly Roger Penske, Dan Gurney. Dan Gurney was kind of the organizer, and then Roger Penske and Pat Patrick kind of took over as the leaders of the movement. But the team owners were very concerned in the late 70s that the USAC Champ Car Series lacked promotion, stability, direction, mm -hmm. budget, everything. It was just yeah. the Indy 500 was, was great, but they were perfectly happy with the status quo of having the Indy 500 doing well, but not really caring about the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. And the team owners needed IndyCar racing to be a 12 month a year endeavor for, right. you know, in, in what some people consider the golden era of the Indy 500, the fifties, the early sixties, the roadsters, um, the team owners were wealthy sportsmen, mm -hmm. 
you know, a classic example is Al Dean. He owned Dean Van Lines. And so he just, he fielded a car in the Indy 500 and the other championship races. And it was, it was a, sim a much simpler time. You know, you bought a car off the shelf. Everybody pretty much used the same engine. Mm -hmm. uh, and Penske was one of the guys that changed that. Uh, Penske brought a higher level of presentation in. He brought engineers in. Uh, and so from a racing aspect, Penske really pushed things forward. And, you know, as, as part of that, it, it increased the costs. And, and um, there was a lot of resentment from USAC and, and Indianapolis toward the way technology was coming in in the 70s. They were having a hard time controlling, just controlling the technical aspect of the sport. The team owners needed more promotion. They needed to be on TV. They needed some kind of return on their investment to get sponsors and everything. The CART group attempted to work with the USAC group and proposed taking over some of these duties while allowing USAC to continue doing the things that they were perceived as being good at. Right. There was a complete lack of cooperation from USAC. And what it finally came down to was the CART owners decided to stage their own. It was called the PPG IndyCar World Series mm -hmm. because by the late 70s, the cars that raced at Indianapolis were generically known as IndyCars. Uh, the series since the seventies no longer had dirt tracks. And so there wasn't, you know, a front engine. You know. That was fascinating to me, by the way, I did not know that there were dirt tracks as late and as still uh, people that call for it to come back, but Hey, get this like in, 19 wait, really, really yeah, in 69, there, there were dirt tracks, road courses, and the Pikes peak hill climb was a points paying round of the wow. IndyCar championship. Wow. So, um, so what, why again, do people was, today want dirt tracks to come back? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> they just they want to hearken it back to that. They like know? it. They just like that type yeah. of racing. Yeah. Well, go and watch. Go to your local dirt track. I mean, I don't and, know. <laughs> and, and and unfortunately, as 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 America's most versatile racing journalist, the dirt mm. track stuff is the stuff that I'm weakest at. I've just it's just never interested me. Yeah. I just, yeah. I I just I like occasionally going out once a year to to the you know to see sure. something, but it just it's never captivated me. Well, that's why I don't I don't really understand. The, but even the people who it captivates, like so, go and go to a dirt track and watch. Why does it have to be part of IndyCar? You know, it's sort of like to me is the I guess because everybody I guess in motorsport especially I'm learning that. <laughs> that people, whatever their pet favorite things are, or the things that they love, they want it to be part of everything, right? Oh, like, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so they, from, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But, but from 79 to 81, CART staged a series of races, and USAC staged a series of races. CART expected to race at the Indy 500, and they did. They had to go to court to force their way in because USAC right. tried to prevent them in 1979. For a brief period in 1980, they came together, and then the Speedway hired a new guy called John Cooper as their president. He had ties to NASCAR. He was kind of a shadowy figure in the racing world, and, and he put the kibosh on the cooperation. He's like, we've got to go our own way. So from 82 to 95, CART operated the IndyCar World Series. The Indy 500 was operated by USAC, but it was a points-paying round of the IndyCar World Series. Right. In 1989... The heir to the Holman fortune, the male heir, I should say, to the Holman fortune, <laughs> Anton Holman George, turned 30. Tony has three sisters. Uh, I think one of them might be younger, but 
but I, I do specifically say the male heir because they could have chosen one of the sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not able to choose Tony's father because Tony's father was murdered by his mother's boyfriend in 1976. Right. But that was an we, interesting wrinkle. <laughs> but anyway, they, they handed they handed Tony the keys to the kingdom in 1989 when he turned 30, and he had all the old AJ Foyt and all the USAC hardliners, all the people that were still had resentments from the 79 split and mm-hmm. everything that happened up to that point. They're saying you got to take control here. At the same time, he had Bill France from NASCAR saying, "Son, you got to take control here." He had Bernie Ecclestone from Formula One saying, son, you got to take control here. So Tony decided that he would take control. And he, in 1991, he he flew down to, um, didn't even take the, the Holman jet. He flew down with Tony Bettenhausen, I believe, in Tony Bettenhausen's plane. And he, he presented a proposal to kind of change the governance of IndyCar racing with the Speedway essentially taking over the power. And the cart team owners essentially said no you know and and it's 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 he wasn't ready to be in that position you know he had a little bit of a checkered past you know he'd known, been known to have some drug problems he tried to have his first wife committed you know there's the whole holman family there's a little bit of a sordid side to it it's it's mm. it's almost like a trailer park family with a lot of money <laughs> it's no, I, it's, it's, sad, it's sad to say. I feel like a lot of families with a lot of money are that way. <laughs> Tony's mom uh, lived in squalor. You know, she loved huh. animals. It was great to animals and everything. But, you know, wow. she didn't care if there was dog shit everywhere. Um, okay. Anyway, that's this. That's kind of a tangent. This <laughs> yeah, story. that's okay. But, 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 but what you have is you have this in, very entitled 30-year-old guy. Yeah who felt that it was his role to be running a sport. And he went up against a lot of these successful businessmen mm-hmm. and, and they just shot him down. And, right. and uh, they, they didn't respect Tony or his position, but he definitely didn't respect them. Right. And, and that is the theme of all this, so, a mutual lack for disaster. <laughs> of, yep. A mutual lack of respect between the Indianapolis motor speedway and the competitors that, that support create, make sustain everything the indy right. 500 was nothing without those competitors mm-hmm. and so they said they said fine we'll bring in a new set of competitors and they did and that's what you had in the late 90s you had the indy racing league of the late 90s with butch Brickell and jim guthrie and and okay yeah eddie cheever who never won a formula one race <laughs> never won a kart race but he is a irl indianapolis 500 champion that just it's it's, <laughs> it, it's 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 hard to take if you you know yeah if you just watched how it unfold and you actually kind of knew what was happening and yeah I mean Tony had a lot of grievances and he was right about a lot of stuff but he just he went about it the wrong way mm. you know Tony eventually formed a team called Vision Racing and one of his you know rationales was well we need more American participation we need American sprint right. car drivers and blah 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 blah. So, you know, all right, Tony, instead of creating a whole series of races, why didn't you just start vision racing and run three or four cars for a bunch of these guys and bring them along and make them stars? Um, but of course, it was the Indy 500 that makes stars, as they so often reminded us. Hmm. How's that doing for Marcus Erickson and, and people like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, actually, that's something I was going to ask you back when you were talking about also um, these uh, when you were 
uh, working as the PR guy for this team that you thought wasn't going to amount to much. Oh yeah. Uh, with the, yeah. Um, is, is that, it's again, I know nothing compared to you. Um, so it just seems to me just even based on what I observe that you have, um, that 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 kind of seems to happen quite a bit. Like you've got people that come from F one. Uh, hey, Marcus Erickson's a, a great example of exactly, it right now. exactly. Which is why when you mentioned him, I remembered. And you know, because it's, it's yeah. sad because if you look at the exchange, you look at the IndyCar guys, the established IndyCar guys that went to Formula One. Uh, right. Mon Montoya did well. Okay. Yeah. Villeneuve yeah. did well his first year. Yeah. Or first and second year, and then he just right. fell off a cliff, and he hasn't been seen since. Yeah. <laughs> uh Cristiano Damata still respected, poorly. I would say. You know, in, he is. Uh, in, but, yeah. but you know, Cristiano Damata did poorly. Mm -hmm. Um Zanardi. My God, Zanardi. The guy <laughs> wiped the floor with the with the cart field. And this was a stacked field in 96, 97, mm. 98. And this guy crushed them. Yeah. And then he got in an uncompetitive Williams and his, you know, and he was a shell of himself. Yeah. Um and and so uh, so the the track and then, but the of, other of, of way these guys, the oh, other good. way you yeah know, oh, Marcus Erickson oh Alex Rossi Indy five hundred yeah, champion and, and, Roman and, Grosjean <laughs> well he hasn't won a race yet and I don't think well he that's will. true that's true <laughs> I, <laughs> really <laughs> that dude hits the self destruct button faster than anybody out there. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was a fun day on the podcast when I I, I had, wasn't even watching IndyCar at all then. And even now I sometimes can't watch like, but I, I keep track of what's going on and I might watch and I watch the highlights and I try to watch the whole race, et cetera. But like, um, but it was uh, back when there was, uh, I think Graham Rahal got very angry at him and was like, <laughs> you, uh, I don't know if you, you probably remember this. He was like, well, we know his reputation from Formula One and now he's uh, doing the same thing over here. And I, I, I just we we were it was like it was hilarious because of course he had like the Graham didn't tell a lie really. <laughs> yeah. And and now that things aren't going so well, there's that that element of desperation right. is kind of creeping back yeah. into his driving again. I think he's a bit like that even when there's not uh yeah, as you said, he hits that self-destruct button as as you as you said. I think that's a good way of putting it. King um, of the red mist. Yeah, he really, yeah, I know. He I mean uh, the, of course, you know, you see that from other guys but then they do win races and they win things so right. um yeah that's it <laughs> you've got to be able to keep it in check yeah. um so uh or or you know let it out during practice or something or you know not not during the race i i do hope that somebody in formula one picks up this polo kid because he's He's yeah, really, really good. I and know. Still, he's 26. He's young enough. And the yeah. thing is, is, you don't get in one of the top two or three cars, you're going nowhere. Yeah. And I just don't, I, I sadly, I don't, I'm not sure I see it happening. Um, you know, even though he is, you know, kind of part of the whole McLaren, whatever thing, he, one I, of the I 76 just, drivers they have signed. Right. Well, they don't, they don't, but, but in general, there's, yeah. I mean, it's just such a, it's, it's just so hard to get into Formula One. I mean, there's, um, and I didn't even realize when 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 the whole uh, Colton Herta stuff was going on of possibly him, uh, you know, going. I didn't even I didn't realize even what a big deal that was in the IndyCar community until uh, like a year later um, when uh, and then, you know, seeing uh, Colton tweet when there was the news about Brad Pitt's going to uh, race in this like yeah. modified F2 car. And Colton was like, Brad Pitt got a super license before me. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's great. Hey, here's 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 a sad thing, Anna. Uh, look at look at the last few American drivers in Formula One. You got Logan yeah. Sargent, you got Rossi, you got Scott Speed. Uh, yeah. You can go back to Eddie Cheever. You know, yeah. and what's the common denominator between all those guys? And that is that none of them raced in America before they got to Formula One. Mm-hmm. And Formula One's all keen to have an American right now. But I'll tell you what, right. Colton Herta, for as, as little publicity and as little impact as IndyCar has, Colton Herta still has a thousand times more name recognition in the U.S. than Logan Sargent does. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know? Sure. Of course. Yeah. So that's a, you know, there's it's a slippery slope yeah. when you have that argument about, Oh, you got to come up in the European ladder system and all that. Um, <laughs> they just, you know, they, they haven't found the right American yet. Yeah, no, no, they don't. And, and of course, you know, I, I think that they, I think that for all their excitement and uh, overdoing it, I think sometimes a bit of the fact that formula one is now being embraced by Americans increasingly, I think that they still don't really understand uh, America and Americans that well overall, because when you see like the way Logan is being presented, I'm like, is this what you think we want? Because it's not. <laughs> no. And, 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 and Jenna Fryer wrote a story for the, for the AP last week. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a drum I've been beating for quite some time, um, with this whole drive to survive phenomenon. Right. And, it's like, yeah, absolutely. I I believe that it's drawing American fans. In. Oh yeah, I mean that's how I. <laughs> you know, Americans love a good reality show. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is, is that what drew them in was that really nasty, contentious championship between Hamilton and Verstappen. Yeah. Which where where you had you know real antagonism between the the two main players, and and more so than that, you had the officials the the officials overstepping their boundaries yeah <laughs> just you know creating a lot of you know two-sidedness and everything and i consider and, lewis hamilton an eight-time world champion personally <laughs> i hear you <laughs> okay cool <laughs> the the, yeah. the i i consider paul tracy an indy a two a, a 2002 indy 500 winner then so okay. i will i will counter your argument all right all right well that i don't know if it's exactly okay fine <laughs> It's pretty close. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. They yeah, both yeah. got cheated by yeah. the officials. Okay. By yeah. the Fair. by the sanctioned Fair. body. So. Fair. Yeah. But you were saying um, you think that people are going to lose interest now that absolutely because mm-hmm. for one thing, Verstappen winning all the races. All right. For whether I like the guy or not, and I really don't. Hamilton uh, is perceived. Hamilton's perceived as a good guy. Mm-hmm. Verstappen's perceived as a bad guy. And the Americans don't want to see the bad guy win all the races. They want to see the good guy win all the races. <laughs> Some people love a heel, though. Oh, yeah. Robin Miller, his you know. mantra was hate is good. There you go. It's it's what drives these ratings. There has mm-hmm. to be some sort of conflict. Yes. And and the reason that I'm saying that this is going to be a flash in the pan for Formula One is, is that Formula One has a compelling championship once every 20 years. Maybe maybe once in a generation and to make a direct comparison to the 21 season where the officials got involved, you have to go back past, you know, Villeneuve and Schumacher sure. in 97. You have to go past Senna and Prost in 89 and 90. You have to go all the way back to 1976 with James Hunt and Nicky Lauda with the officials manipulating race results. And, right. and, and again, that's 50, nearly 50 years ago now. And that's what I mean that you get that type of, storm you know perfect storm literally once in a generation in formula one 
don't don't get me wrong. I love the technical excellence. I love the you know I love the fact that they are the finest and 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 most capable racing cars in the world and everything. Mm -hmm. But that's that's what they built their brand on. So don't let the Americans fuck it up and try to turn it into entertainment. <laughs> I think that I mean counterpoint to, to, the true, to the true Formula One fan, they love it when the best driver and the best team dominates. Right. Because that's a true demonstration of excellence. Right. When, a, right. when, when, when nine guys win 12, when out of 12 races win because they're yeah. in the same car with essentially the same engine and the same tires that has been developed for 12 years. Right. It's not the same type. It's, it's not the same kind of competition. It's a right. car race, but it's a very different kind of car. Yes. Yeah. 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 See, that's why I think that it's still an unknown whether uh, Formula One is going to remain um, you know, keep growing in the U.S. or not, or or in general. I mean, and of course, and it's like, oh yeah, have... we're premium. Our tickets cost seven thousand dollars. Well, and, yeah, that's and, a, and, and so you that's know, a whole for, other matter. <laughs> for for people out there that are you know that love gold plated bathroom fixtures and things like that, that might be appealing to say, hey, I just blew forty thousand dollars taking my family to Las Vegas for the Formula One. <laughs> but that's not gonna that's not gonna sit well with the average American race fan. No, no, but there are yeah, no, it's I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not something most people can afford. Definitely. I mean, there's, um, it's, um, Montreal is actually less expensive than, um, than, uh, than all the U S races. So. If I was an American formula one fan, I've long said, go to Mexico city. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or go, there go somewhere yeah. else, right, go right, to an sure. international formula one race. Don't oh, go yeah. to a formula one race in America. Yeah. No, you know? no, no. Because yeah. it's going to, it's not going to be an authentic grand prix experience. No, no. Yeah. I mean, some people enjoy that and that's fine. I, see, I think that, I think that as long as people understand what, uh, that formula one is, uh, a different sort of, I mean, cause if you come, like I, I came, uh, from Drive to Survive partially, and so did lots of people I know. And I, again, I haven't done any, you know, scientific surveys, but people like me and lots of other people who, um, you know, went all in then. And I mean, I, I have a podcast now, so uh, yeah. who, went, who went all in, we understand that it's not, um, that it's not a thrilling championship every year. We're not there for that, really. Um, we're there for, uh, some people are there for the tech. Uh, some people are there for the personalities uh, and the dramas and funny things or whatever things that happen amongst all the personalities. Some people are there for the business aspect. They're interested in what's going on with the teams, the sponsors, uh, the TV ratings, et cetera, who's getting this deal, who's getting that deal. Um, you know, some people are interested in that stuff or all of the above. Um, yeah. You know, they're, uh, I'm interested uh, in a uh, a lot of the political things and by political, I don't mean like what team owners beefing with someone else. I mean like actual <laughs> politics, like, you know, the sports washing that goes on and things like that um, are things that I'm interested in. And uh, there's plenty you know, of that Saudi money in F1. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. And the Saudi uh, Bahrain, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, um, uh, and you know, just all of, all of that stuff. And cause, Actually, to me, it's almost like, um, I, I mean, I do feel morally conflicted sometimes following Formula One, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I've followed the golf situation with PGA Tour and Liv, right. and, and right. you know, as soon as the PGA Tour announced that they were merging I was or shocked. whatever they were doing, you know, 
people were like, I'm never watching golf again. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, U.S. Opens this week. Let's see you put your money where your mouth is. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the trouble. That's the trouble, isn't it? You know, yeah, there was, I had, I mean, there were people, you know, I know people were saying after 2021, some people that were saying they're never going to watch it again because of what happened. And I, I um, some of them maybe aren't, I don't know, there could be people like that. But, you know, what do you, what else are you going to do if you want to see, um what is now? I don't necessarily believe that it's the pinnacle of motorsport, but you know that's the obviously the branding. Uh, but but what I was uh, what we were talking about with the American drivers uh, going there versus drivers coming here. Um, I, I actually listened, and you mentioned Scott Speed, of course, with you know greatest race driver name of all time, um, <laughs> other than Will Power, I guess. Oh, uh, kitty cat. <laughs> that's Oscar. Um, hi, Oscar. Um, and. So cute. Okay, you guys have to. If you're listening, you have to. You have to check out the YouTube to, to see Oscar. Very cute. <laughs> um, but uh, so you know, you know, there. I I actually remember listening to Scott Speed on. He was on Beyond the Grid not that long ago on like their you know the official Formula One podcast and um, uh, and and he uh, he he said the thing that you know I know all American racing drivers don't like to or want to hear or don't believe is true that he felt having raced in Europe and in the, you know, that he thought the level was higher in Europe. I mean, he didn't say it in so many words, but he was basically, he, he basically felt that the level was higher. And do you think that's true? Do you think that's. I think it is at the lower levels. I think, mm -hmm. you know, if you compared formula three to the old formula Atlantic or formula two to Indy lights, I mean, let's face it. Today's Indy cars aren't any faster than formula two cars. Right. So the answer is yes, there is, um, it's, it's, it's taken more seriously in Europe from top to bottom, um, from the team side, from the driver's side, um, there's, it's, it, it's definitely a more cutthroat environment at every, at every level. And, and oh yeah. It's that, insane. <laughs> you know, there are some people be who believe that you have to have that type of environment, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, Mario Andretti didn't have that environment when he went to Formula One after right. being an IndyCar star. And, and um, I think one of the challenges for the IndyCar guys who go to Formula One is they're going from a much heavier car. It's, it's well, it was heavier. I, yeah. I, I, this is this is less of a valid valid argument now that a right. Formula One car has a oh, real base whole problem in and of itself. Well, the wheelbase of a Formula One car is longer than a Suburban. It's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. insane. It's insane. Um, I'm, I'm one of these people who, uh, there's a lot of people who, um, uh, who are like, uh, you know, in fact, whenever you ask any of the Formula One people um, if the car should be made lighter, they're like, well, sure, but of course not at the risk of compromising yeah. safety, yada, yada, yada. But I, uh, I actually... Um, I have a friend who is an engineer for one of the uh, Formula One teams, and I actually used to uh, have that same viewpoint. I was like, uh, well, no, I mean, safety is the most important, right? And it is. But uh, he he said that, well, with large cars, that, that, that creates safety concerns as well, because then when you have crashes, they're worse, or when you have, you know, there it's, and the car is so heavy, so you can have- The cars are enormous now. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's nuts. They, and I, I see- they, they do say they're going to try to um, try to make them 
later. I really hope that happens. Yeah. And I see the same like, thing. You know, I, I love these new prototypes in IMSA, these LMDH yeah. cars, but they're just enormous race cars. Okay, and and yeah, I know that they're, thing. you know, they're putting in hybrid systems and all that, but the actual combustion yeah. engine is, is tiny. Huh? Um, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's a tough thing because I think a lot of people don't, um, you know, they don't understand that, uh, that, there, you know, the safety issue is not like totally cut and dry. Like you would have, you know, there, and right. and it's ridiculous how, um, how, yeah, they need to. Hopefully, they're gonna, they're the, gonna size the sport, those cars down. No, no matter what form of racing you want to talk about, the sport is infinitely safer than it was. Uh, you know, the the big advance for for driver safety came at least with single seat cars. It came with the carbon fiber tub right the, the, the john barnard pioneered with mclaren in the early 80s which is you know what all cars are constructed of, of now and of course for oval racing and this is where you have to give tony george his absolute due and that is tony george and the indianapolis motor speedway spearheaded the development of the safer barrier ah, um the, right, which right, is, right. it's in universal use at every oval track right. in america right now it has yeah. saved dozens if not hundreds if not you know, you, you can't put a number on how many lives and serious injuries, Oh wow! The, you know, the, yeah. the elusive, you know, quest for a soft wall Yeah. and, and Tony George, for all you want to say about, you know, the role that he had in creating the IRL and what it did to IndyCar racing, the fact that he persevered as strongly as he did for the safer barrier, you cannot say enough positive things about that. Yeah. 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 That, that is amazing. Uh, that is something that actually, that does, uh, as again, primarily an F1 fan, but still I have, you know, like, uh, and as an American, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, and I want IndyCar to do better, I guess, you know, in the sense that, um, I want more people to, you know, I'm always trying to like, I'm always trying to advertise it to people, I guess, uh, to some degree, because especially if they, and I, sometimes it works. I have, I, I have a friend who also is a even newer F1 fan than me. And so I told him that he should check out IndyCar and then he watched the race in Detroit and he said he enjoyed it. I don't know if he's going to keep watching, but anyway, sure. um, uh, but uh, yeah, he, I, he was like, Oh, it's like, so it's so exciting. There's I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's uh yeah. But again, I think it is important to remember like there, and it was actually Fernando Alonso at, at some, not too long ago. He, of course, they've all been asked this, this season, you know, uh, or things like, should, should the FIA do something about Red Bull or should, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't like Fernando Alonso, but he has been around a long time. And on this, I think he was right. He said, he's like, this is the way F1 has always been. You always have, you yeah. have, well, you'll have like this era of dominance yep. for one team and then it takes time for, another, and then this is the way it goes. And I, um, so I always, it, it dates 50 years, exactly, you know, the, the, the exactly. single team dominance started in the seventies. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's just kind of like a natural thing. And I mean, you see that to some extent in other sports too, really. So I, I, you know, I don't, um, it's, it's not exactly the same, obviously, but if you, you don't like eras, Alonso. You can gleefully point out that he failed to qualify for the Indianapolis I do know, I, I know, I know. And he yeah. was beaten by the lowest budget <laughs> right, right. bottom team out there. <laughs> Which so. I love. Uh, yeah, I do, I do. <laughs> I do think that's hilarious. And also how the first time Honda wouldn't give him an engine, I, I think that's 
that was one of the greatest things I ever heard also because, yeah. Um, ironically, uh, he's, he's, he's back on good terms with them. No, he is. I know because they're going to they're going to reunited and it feels so gonna good. Be re- yeah. Yeah. If he's still there, I mean, he'll be. He will be. They need to gas Lance Stroll, but yeah, that'll no, never happen. Probably, no, I well, I Lance is a whole other issue. Um, that that uh, that's a tough one. It's uh, what's how how far can a father's love extend? Is is what we'll, well find it's, out. Well, it's the most it's the most transparent checkbook racing transaction in history. I, I mean, mean yeah. his Lawrence Stroll has literally bought every team that I his know, son drives I know, for I know, I know, from Formula Three on up. It's uh huh uh huh. Money, it's a gas. Yeah, it is. It really is. That's the other thing that that has uh, that, that often troubles me. But anyway, that's motorsport, I guess. Um, what, <laughs> um, one of the um, things that uh, that that I wanted to ask was actually that I uh, well, I, I understand this to some degree, but for maybe people listening or watching who don't, um, why are the financial realities? so vastly different between and I know some of the answer but I I want you to talk about it you know why it costs you know now that's a now the cost cap is 130 135 million in formula 1 and that's only since there's been a cost cap obviously in the past people used to spend you know the top teams three or four way. times that yeah right exactly and um uh and whereas an IndyCar it's what like is it, is it like 10 million to run a you you can be um, real competitive yeah you, you can, can be very you could, competitive. for 10 million dollars you'd be very competitive with a team, right two cards right yeah yeah uh, but so, the thing yeah. about it is is that that number is a third of what it was 20 years ago when you oh, know in the, IndyCar? In, in, in the late 90s oh. when when cart was at its peak from right. say 93 to 98 99 the the budgets were 12 to 15 million dollars a car hmm. uh, because Drivers were getting paid big money, you know. Uh. Um, you know, these days the top guys make four or five million dollars. Mario was making that in the seventies and eighties. Well, yeah, and, that's and, crazy. and you want to wind up Mario Andretti? Just ask him. You know, hey Mario, what do you think about Scott Dixon's contract or whatever? <laughs> you know, I tell you. Um, in IndyCar in the nineties, it was it was a poor man's Formula One. But it was right. close. I mean, it was the cars were ninety yeah. percent as capable. I mean, those mm-hmm. things in the in the late nineties, those were serious race cars. They had right. a thousand horsepower and, and big grippy tires. And you know, Dario Franchitti, they they raced at Elkhart Lake last week, and everybody's making a big deal. It's like, oh, it's been repaved. It's going to be super fast and all that. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was it was two and a half or three seconds faster than last year, but it was still a second slower than Dario Franchitti's track record in 1998, 25 years ago. Wow, that's an amazing stat. That's yep, and incredible. and the Schadenfreude King and me was like, all right. My boy Dario gets to keep one. Yeah, and that's yeah. one he's proud of, too, because I'll tell you what, to average 146 <laughs> miles an hour around that joint is impressive. That is impressive. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Good. Good. Good for him. So uh, but what, yeah. what, what the split did, the split took that took that money away. Right. I mean, right. cart was sustaining. You know, it was capable of attracting those budgets and, and, and having teams into the late 90s. 
and the the split destabilized it, you know, because yeah. Indianapolis was out there saying, "Hey, come see the you know the stars and the cars of the Indy 500," and they were mm-hmm. you know shitbox Dallaras and G forces and <laughs> you know a bunch of drivers that nobody ever heard of, and they sounded like mm-hmm. NASCAR cars instead of you know it was like instead of yeah. <laughs> which is you know since the Cosworth came into IndyCar racing in the in the 70s, the high pitched turbo V8 wine was the sound. Sure. And so these cars were just offensive. You know, yeah, they were cheap, but they were agricultural. I mean, they were just, they were insulting race cars right, to, compared right. to, to the cart cars of the time. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the, the you know, as, as the two series competed each other and tried to, to wear each other down, all, the, all they wore down was the sponsors and the money people. And mm. they, went to, they went to NASCAR, they went elsewhere. They just right, and right, and you know yeah. you look at look at the cart grid in the '90s where every car has Shell and Valvoline and Budweiser and okay cigarettes are gone now but Marlboro yeah. players cool um, yeah. you know Hollywood well in Formula One they just give them other names they're, well they're they're they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're loopholing McLarens here with views which is a yeah. uh, a nicotine well, delivery device I mean Mission Winnow for for right right basically yeah so. Yeah. But yeah. but that's that's the legacy of the split. It it, mm. it went from teams being able to you know to justify and and be able to 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 have a hundred people on staff and to right. run cars that have Kmart and and Target and everything on the side, right, and not right. not move that block dot com and 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 things like that. Um, yeah, and, 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 and that's the oh gee God. that one that one hit home. <laughs> that that took me a second. The movethatblock.com 225 at New Hampshire in 2011. Mm. Uh, that was the that was the willpower double bird race. <laughs> right, 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 right. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> but but yeah, that's that's the point of it all. They they sucked, uh, you know, they sucked huh. the money out. And it, it hasn't recovered and it won't recover. I mean, you look it, at it out oh, there, okay. Chip Ganassi's team, Roger Penske's team. It's it's right. not Marlboro or or you know right. Pennzoil on the car all right, year long. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and this is this is something that NASCAR encountered ten or fifteen years ago, where they had to right. change their model to to multiple title sponsorships because mm-hmm. they they can't get one company to write a check for twenty five million dollars anymore. Yeah. They've got to get five yeah. or six of them to write that three million dollar check. Right. Yeah. And get their oh. four races instead of 38, you know? It's tough. It's tough because I actually hear I actually hear uh people who are uh F one fans uh talk about even like these kind of minutiae things of like the you know, because people who follow F one are used to, you know, like the same livery, the same <laughs> when, <laughs> so they when, get confused. <laughs> when Ra- when the guys that were Reynard, um well, they formed British American racing in yeah in two thousand or 1999 it was, and they wanted to run two different liveries. They wanted to run a Lucky Strike car and a, and a 555 car. That's a Japanese brand of cigarettes. And they wouldn't let them. And so mm. what they did is they they did a livery where they put 555 on one side of the car and Lucky Strike on the other with a zipper <laughs> down the middle just to kind of tweak the FIA. But it's, it's, it's come a long way since then. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, even for, like, I, I'm, I, I do know where people are coming from because it is it is confusing. Um, sometimes they're like, "What what car is that?" They're like, "Well, what? The, okay, this week it's this color." Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, she uh, even Red Bull ran out of white yeah. car there. You know, once yeah. or twice. Well, that's yeah. that was a special. That was you know they do people do do these special yeah liveries right, but it'll be for like one race or right. maybe two, and it's not because that's 
those are the people who are paying you know that yeah. that had nothing to do with a sponsor in fact that was uh but was mclaren a runs a different yeah. livery every race this year it seems. Yeah. well it's not every race but it's uh they do the, and but they do yeah mclaren it's interesting i've always uh wanted to ask someone this who knows uh the answer uh is mclaren perceived a certain way in indycar or is it or are they just like any other team do you know what well, i mean, I mean it's, it's not it's, i mean let's it's not the real mclaren team the well, the right. real McLaren team that raced that was the Formula One and IndyCar team, you know. Sure. The the McLaren Indy, I mean, they built their own cars. You right. know, Roger Penske's first Indy Indy five hundred win was in a McLaren M sixteen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, the glory days. They, yeah. <laughs> the current McLaren IndyCar team, it, it's a marketing exercise. Indeed. You know, it's 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 <laughs> it's spec car racing. You know, IndyCar yeah. racing is spec car racing, and right. it's 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 a different version of McLaren having a formula two team. They're sure. using it to, to spot talent. They're using it to attract sponsors. And if you can reel a sponsor into IndyCar and the classic example of that is you see that arrow appearing on the formula one car at times, that's right. the big, that's the big fish there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get a sponsor in for a couple million dollars in IndyCar. It's like, Hey, come look at the glitz and glamor over here now for just 50, <laughs> million dollars look what we can give you we can give you a rear wing end plate (laughs) oh my god is that really how much it is i don't know (laughs) that would be hilarious (laughs) i mean i don't know it might i have actually no idea i'd have to do brown probably carries a rate card around with i wouldn't be surprised 25 you know front (laughs) nose oh my god that man is a born salesman yeah he's i mean he's good at it you know you can't can't argue with that um but uh but something uh that i wanted to also kind of talk about is that one of the you know as we as you already alluded to it and as um as i've already learned (laughs) from uh from from trying to straddle sometimes you know the different fandoms is um that you know that that there's this uh tension uh, right between you know the people who are more interested in oval racing, let's say, versus oh, yeah. people who are more. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> big and that, tension. And that was, I mean, that was that was one of the, and that was exactly that was right. one of the yeah. root causes of the of the ninety six split. Exactly, uh, exactly. Because yeah. USAC experimented with road racing in the mid sixties, mm-hmm. and then it went away. They they completely read every everything in seventy. 71 and that's when they took away the dirt and they took away the road races and they went mm-hmm. to just like 12 oval races and that's when the series started to tank in the first mm-hmm. place and the you know mar they had marlboro as the title sponsor for the series in 1971 wow. and the, o- the only thing marlboro cared about is that there was no other cigarette brand <laughs> and then the the parnelli team with al Unser and mario andretti got viceroy cigarettes to sponsor them and marlboro said hey we told you Hmm. USAC let Viceroy come in and what was the last time you saw somebody smoking a Viceroy cigarette? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Uh oval fans. So yeah, uh that was that was a big source of conflict in the 96 split because the the Indianapolis people, the, the USAC people, they still cling to the notion that sprint car racing, midget racing, and all that. Right has a connection to the Indy 500 because it did up until the mid sixties. Mm-hmm. And in the mid sixties, Indy cars, the cars they raced at Indianapolis and on the other paved ovals and road courses and all that mm-hmm. 
went from front engine to rear engine. And the training ground that USAC had, the sprints and midget, remained front engine. Mm-hmm. And so there was there was a technical relevance that was lost. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 legacy of what happened though was that in, in the 60s you had this generation that USAC produced of, you know, AJ Foyd and Mario and Gordon Johncock and the Unser brothers and and you know, just you had this core group of stars that lasted from the mid 60s to the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And and you you can't name an IndyCar star that came out of USAC after that. Mm-hmm. You know, Poncho Carter? <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong, Poncho Carter's a great driver, but you know, he he didn't he won a handful of IndyCar races. He never wanted, you know, USAC, you know, the last time that they produced an IndyCar champion was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. But there's still these fans around here that's like, oh yeah, we need the winner from Bloomington Speedway on the Indy 500 grid. <laughs> you know? And it, it's great that Brian Clawson did it. That that, that <laughs> one guy, you know, that, that one guy had the desire to do it. You know, it's great that yeah. Rich Vogler had the desire to do it in the 80s, you know. But the fact is, is these guys don't want to do it, you know, right. and as much as Randy Bernard or whoever was running IndyCar racing or Mark Miles or Roger Penske or whoever, no matter how bad they want to force these circle track guys to race IndyCars, they don't want to do it, <laughs> you know, and and it, it didn't become apparent until the late 80s when Jeff Gordon, right. Kenny Irwin, right. Tony Stewart, all these guys in USAC, all of a sudden the light bulb went on. As soon as Jeff Gordon found success there, you know, mm-hmm. the light bulb went on. It's like, hey, we're out here in these front engine shit boxes going around dirt ovals. That's perfect training for NASCAR. And it has <laughs> nothing whatsoever to do with IndyCar racing. Right, right. And that's the truth. <laughs> and, makes and, a lot and, more and, sense. And it wasn't until the 90s, ironically, at the very moment that Tony George was trying to say, we've got to keep these guys in IndyCar racing, that the general <laughs> public woke up to the fact that, hey, that ship sailed. Those guys are yeah. NASCAR drivers now. Yeah. yeah. And Tony Stewart came and he, he ran IndyCar for a couple of years. Uh, IRL, I should say. Right. Um, because he, he was he was the IRL's poster boy the first couple of years. Mm. And he won the championship the second year. But he got the hell out of there because he knew where the money was and he did very right. well for himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's probably the right call there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, but I'll and, tell you what, Tony Stewart, he, he may have come up through USAC and all that, but he is one of those once in a generation talents that could drive anything. And, and for, he, he's one of the few guys that you saw him. I mean, he got in that IRL car and yeah, I mean, those Menard cars had a hundred more horsepower than anybody else, but he was fast immediately. People say that about um, Scott McLaughlin. I feel like now, right. Isn't that what people say? What do they say about Scott McLaughlin? Well, that he's he's so that he might be so versatile that he could the, the fact that he's come and oh, it's it's amazing, you know, yeah. and 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 that's that's a that's a Penske product there. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's Indeed. all <laughs> you know. People bitch at Penske. Why don't you run an Indy Lights team? Why aren't you grooming talent in America? Well, he does fine getting it elsewhere. I mean, yeah, you, know, that's, you can't he, argue. He, with he, that. he lets he lets other people develop it, whether it's yeah. Joseph Newgarden or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, nothing His, wrong with he, that. He only cares about winning, Penske does. And right. he very rarely gets it wrong with a driver choice. That works out pretty well. Uh, McLaughlin's, he's, so, yeah. he's, that guy's got a lot of talent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's entertaining um, as hell, too, which helps. He is. 
he is. <laughs> I I enjoy him. Uh, and of course, I'm a, a fan of Bus Bros, obviously. Um, yeah, there's a guy <laughs> called Brian Simpson that works for those guys that does their, their right, social content. Right. And they, he's just, they, you know, yeah, I, I told I think, him, I said, I, I saw him in Long Beach. Him, like, I said, I really like what you're doing because I'm a 58-year-old man and I'm not supposed to like this young people stuff. But, you know. <laughs> So you know, that's kudos. when you know it's good. Yeah, <laughs> when it speaks to people of all different ages and everything. to an average IndyCar fan. Yeah, 60. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's that. Wow, that's high praise. Then, really, yeah. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope he really took that um, to heart and realized how big a deal that is. Um, but the other thing that, of course, that we also have talked about is that again, there's all these tensions. So the tension of um, and this is what I'm interested in, especially as it relates to today. Is there still a tension in terms of, you know, Speedway versus everyone else or or not really? No, that went away because the Holmans don't run the Speedway anymore. Right. Um, Penske bought the Speedway. Right. And I would say that there is certainly more of a spirit of everyone within the series working together than yeah. there has been in many, many years. True. Um, you know, there's Jay Fry gets a lot of credit for kind of getting all the teams on the same page and, and the, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, I, I think IndyCar is in a rough place right now, personally. Um, yeah. I we'll you know say more. Well, Mr. Penske should know this more than anybody because he was part of the you know the '79 split, mm -hmm. and the reason the '79 split happened is because it was Indy 500 Uber Alice and and the rest of the series got short shrift, uh -huh. and 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 ever since he's taken over the Speedway, it's right back to 1977 again. I mean, yeah, admittedly yeah. the Speedway it it had not had the investment from the Holman family in a number of years that it enjoyed mm -hmm. for most of their ownership. Yeah. But, and, and, and the, the speedway itself is in spectacular shape right now. Right. You know, right. It's the, the speedway, but we're right back where we were in 1978. It's the rest of the series that needs the attention. And yeah. it's the rest of the series that, you know, the teams need to get to a point where they're not laying off people because there's a six month off season between, mm -hmm. because they're scared to run up against football. Um, they, you know, yeah. they, they, the, the rest of the series needs help. They need to, they need to make the sport a 12 month a year sport. And they yeah. have comprehensively failed at that. The closest they came was during the card era. And yeah. they, they were yeah. doing great in the nineties until again, until Tony decided he didn't I mean, like, can their, it their... ever happen? Like to me, as just no. an outside yeah. observer, I don't no think way. it can. Right? No way. Yeah. It, it'll never happen. And, and they can can't. say, they can say, Oh, our, you know, our ratings are up 5% over 2012. Well, guess what? <laughs> the ratings are down 80% from 1995. Right. You know? Right. Everybody, you can, you can push statistics your own way and, and they all, you know, it's very insular and they all like to pat themselves on the back sure, and say, you know, sure. Oh yay, We had yeah. a full house for the Indy 500. Yeah. You're always going to have a full house for the Indy right. 500. I don't look really at, understand at, why people look even at bring what that up. You tried to do to the Indy 500 in the nineties and you still got 220,000 right. people out there right. on race day. Yeah. You can't kill yeah. it. It's the golden goose, right. you know? And, 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 yeah. and one of my own personal issues is, is, and it's, it's a product of living in Indianapolis for 35 years <laughs> and it's just, there's no objectivity from the local media. It's just, it's right. just a cheer fest. Right. 
And when the split you know was what? happening in 96. It's not just they... the local media, I feel. Like, well, again, when, when to the... me, as, as I, you know, uh, interact with a lot of fans, you know, on social media and other stuff and whatever. And, and I, again, just as someone who got into motorsport through F1 first and then got interested in IndyCar and other series and whatever. Also, I, uh, it's, it's very, very, um, jarring how there are people who are, uh, they it's again, it's, I don't think it's just the media. It's a lot of IndyCar fans. They talk about, and I understand what the Indy 500 is. I understand the meaning and the history and the, you know, all that. Like, I, I get it. But there, I think it's like you said, to the detriment of the rest of the series and to the detriment of the sport as a whole, that it's, that it is that way, you know, it's, and it's, people, it's, it's disrespectful to the other races. It's right. You know, and, right. um, you know, it's, and, it's, it's, there's nothing like that in other, as far as I know. At least there's not other, you know, there are races that are a bigger deal maybe than, you know, that, but it's, but it's, yeah. you know, there has to be some way to maybe, but you, so you the, don't the think it ever. The, the hyperbole is just unbelievable. You know, this is the greatest race course in the world. This right, is the greatest race. Right. In the world. Yeah. Well, I watched, I watched the 24 they got, hours they of Le Mans. Upset, they got upset with F1 for, uh, you, you saw that whole thing. Yeah. Right? When they were, they, they, they were getting dangerously close to their yeah. trademark, you know, the well, greatest I just, I just watched the 24 hours of Le Mans a couple of weeks ago and there were 325,000 right. people there and they were yeah. there for four or five days, not just exactly. for one day. Doesn't that make it a bigger race than the Indy 500? <laughs> Some would say. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. just playing the devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. For it's, it's to me, it's just very like it's just distressing that I a lot of people don't seem to see that, and the fact that there are, and I feel like you see also sometimes clearly that division more with um, European drivers versus American drivers. Like, I mean, of course, everyone wants to win the Indy 500, but. It seems like a lot of people would rather win the Indy 500 than the championship, maybe even most. No, and that's that's because they've hyped it that and way forever. Right. right. Mario Andretti tells the story. He's like, I, I finished third in the 65 Indy 500. I'm the rookie of the year. And then I went on and I won the national championship that year yeah. as a rookie. Yeah, that's crazy. He goes on the Johnny Carson show at the end of the season. He's not introduced as the USAC national champion. He's introduced wow. as the Indy 500 rookie of the year. Oh, man. Yeah. And, yeah, and and yeah. and Mario is one of the people that, that this you know it it grates on him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Mario, me too. He, he <laughs> loves the Indy Five Hundred. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. But, of course. You know when they were going around the nineties saying, "Ah, we make the stars," or the we make the stars. You know, not the the, the Indy Five Hundred makes the stars. The stars don't make the Indy mm-hmm. Five Hundred. No, it's it's both. You have to have both. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's it's a two way street. It, and and again, it, it hasn't been that two-way street because of yeah. the lack of respect between the Speedway and its competitors yeah, for so it's, long. It's, it's frustrating to me as a, like, I'm interested in, um, I'm, I'm always really interested in a lot of the marketing and the whatever other stuff like that. It, it interests me how uh, racing series and teams and whoever goes about doing all these types of things. And when I look at IndyCar, it's just, uh, like, there's this, there's this, um, um, it seems like, I mean, the speedway is the power center it is. and is the, and so, and all the people, you know, um, uh, like there's, there's often talk amongst uh, fans or even like the drivers will talk, you know, that, uh, in the days when, I mean, now they say things are getting better allegedly, but like, you know, in terms of, uh, social media, other marketing stuff, you know, whatever yeah. they're like, uh, 
Get them off the record and they'll they'll tell you a different story. No, I I, I know. No, no, but I mean, even on the record, uh, I mean, well, now he's not um, an IndyCar anymore, but Connor Daly used to like weekly on his podcast be like, I mean, he would always say like good things, uh, but but there was, you know, there were also. It's, it's, you know, I think I think the key is you've got to go to a race. Um, Yeah. And and I think if if you can get somebody to go to a race and then get him to tune in and watch, and that's the key for yeah. him, you know, that you've got to get somebody that's, that's seen it once that that will make the commitment to tune in every couple of weeks and watch. Yeah. But honestly, I think one of their problems is their broadcast. I think it's just awful. It's not it, good. Yeah, it just, I agree. It just, it just seems like a, a desperate attempt to sell a product, and and it's you know, husky good. chocolate Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah you know, it's just like it's, it's just. <laughs> Oh my God, that kills me. (laughs) The sport is commercial enough as it is. I can't handle it. And to have what should be an American thing, isn't that, isn't NASCAR the same or? or It is. And, and, and it's a lot of it's an NBC thing because I Uh, walked the end of last night's NASCAR race and, and, you know, Dale Jr. and Jeff Burton and all of them are just like, Oh, Ross Chastain's the greatest race car driver of all time. And this, this guy's (laughs) a serious championship threat. And, 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 and and they, this this trend has been going on for a long time. That that and and what hurt IndyCar this year is Paul Tracy's out. Mm, you know, and Paul yeah. Tracy was the voice of reason in there. He was the one guy that could say, you know, hey, Connor Daly's doing a bad job or whoever. Right. You know, James right. Hinch not going to say anything bad about anybody. No, Townsend no. Bell's not going to say anything bad no. about anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're yeah. all everything's great. Everything's positive. Everything's wonderful. Well, yeah, that's one this, thing about just, Formula One commentaries the you know the complete opposite i mean as far as you i know, just they've they, just they've just lost the the, yeah. the 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 concept of the fact that the announcers are supposed to be objective you know commentators right right as yeah. as opposed yeah. to people selling hot chocolate that's not available yeah. to us. <laughs> and you know that's right it's not even available here. and and the sheer commercialism of it is just it's insulting it's, it's so bad. Do you know what? It's like, that's how you know you're talking to. Uh, uh, I remember seeing uh, one of those, um, um, you know, after the, I, I don't remember if it was after the race or if it was after the qualifying or what, but I remember seeing uh, Marcus Armstrong um, talking to, um, you know, the reporters or whatever, some reporter. And I was like, I actually don't like him either, but uh, I was like, praise God, like when you have a uh, somebody who comes from Europe, he did not mention a single sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) They haven't whipped it into him yet. I guess not. I guess not because he's, you know, I guess technically part time since he's not doing the ovals, you know, Uh, but uh, I was like. Please, can we get right, the so, memo out to everyone else? I can't handle it. All right, so you don't like Armstrong, and and you do like Screwy Louie. Well, I, I'm and, not. And I'm not sure if I like him or don't like him. He seems a bit. Who do you like uh, in IndyCar? Um, who do I like in IndyCar? Um, yeah. I like Joseph. Um, right. I uh, like. You like um, uh, McLaughlin? You said that earlier. Yeah, I, I'll, I do. Although there, I mean, even and even when I say I do like Joseph and Scott. Um, they are, I mean, for me, a lot of, uh, well, this will sound stupid because it describes so many racing drivers, but I don't like when they're too, you know, bro uh, oh, yeah. like, you know, and that that's the yeah. case for a lot of, um, drivers, obviously I don't, there's some things I can't, um, like I, I, uh, 
like I, I, I don't listen to too many podcasts, for example, or things where it's all men. There are some that I yeah. listen to just because you have to. Because there's well, some, you've, but you've when mentioned I, you've mentioned the guy who's the broest of all the bros out there. Uh, who? A man who no longer is in IndyCar. Uh, Connor. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. I had trouble um, you listening know, to his podcast. So, and, so yeah. I, you know, I like the Bus Brothers, and and but I don't the Connor Daly shtick. I don't care for it all. Yeah, no, me neither. So, but he's a fan favorite, I guess. So um, they say. So <laughs> certainly not reflected in their television numbers. Or <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but I mean, I like Colton. Um, I like that. I've always liked Colton before. I even again, I only knew him at first through like the whole uh, yeah. F one. Will he or won't he thing? But I like that he's so like laid back and you know normal and is not uh, you yeah. know. And I guess it's because he's from maybe it's because he's from California or whatever the case may be. But he's just like very normal um i don't know if i like kyle or not but he seems like a candidate for someone i could like uh because he seems uh um also very like normal and you know i think i don't know okay um and then um but i also i love a good uh story like uh augustin canapino you know i love a Oh yeah, he's doing a great job over here. I mean, he's. I I think that uh, stuff like that is fantastic. I love when things like that goes back to an argument earlier. It's like, all right, what does it say about IndyCar when when a guy can step into a back of you know the least the lowest budget team in the series, right? And he's faster than Connor Daly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to. I gotta be honest here, like guy, because I don't think there's anybody listening who's a Connor Daly fan. I highly, highly, highly doubt it. I mean, I when I saw the news, I was like, okay. And like this, you can, people acted like it was like, you know, the, I'm like in F1, you can get dropped for like way less than that. Like, it's, or another, you know, I mean, you're. If, if you it was based to, on performance, it was a matter of what took so long. It, right. Right. So, yeah, I, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and that's the other, I mean, there is, you do, I, I hear people say things like that too. People are like, you know, well, this, again, this is why people have, whether it's a, a, a real issue, whether it's a real thing or not, that they will say that, well, the standard is higher. I mean, Logan Sargent, I've heard him talk about, um, even though he came up the European ladder and whatever, but he, uh, that's something like they've asked him, like, what's, uh, you know, uh, how are you finding Formula One, whatever, how are you? And I, I found it comical when I heard him answer something to the effect of like, well, it's like, it's just that you have to perform every time, every session, every go you have to, I was like, what, what did you? What makes that different from any other series? I mean, it right, but like I was all like, "What did you expect?" Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what did I was like? Well, I mean, I hate to tell you, but if you weren't doing that in your other, if you weren't doing that in F two or F three, like maybe, maybe you don't belong here. <laughs> which and I, I don't really think maybe he does, but we'll see. Time will tell, I guess. But it's not, it's not looking great. Um, <laughs> I also people will people think that you know. Uh, People will talk, they're like, oh, Americans, you know, um, uh, getting, you know, you must be so excited that there's an American driver. I'm like, um. <laughs> and this goes back to the point that I made earlier. No American racing fan. Right. Had ever heard of this guy before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has never competed in America. Right. 
Um, yeah. But it's um, so him and Kyle Kirkwood are friends, as, as I'm sure, you know, uh, they uh, and, and Kyle did back when I was still listening to Connor's podcast. Um, Kyle uh, was on there one time and he talked about like him and Logan, like we're like went out or whatever. And now that he's a Formula One driver, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of attention. <laughs> And that's that's the effect of Formula One. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, yep. it's uh, uh, it's amazing to see from a fan perspective. It's like sometimes sometimes like Will Power likes our Instagram posts or something like that, or that 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 doesn't happen with <laughs> with, with Formula One drivers. I mean, you you're know, not getting uh, Nick DeVries liking your posts. Uh, well, that that would be one that way would be realistic, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean that just that frustrates me so much that whole that whole thing about that that you know again that because of the way the indy 500 has been built up and marketed and everything and that i mean i feel like there's got to be some way that it could still maintain its you know importance and supremacy and all this while still building up the rest of the races and the other parts of the series. But I, I don't know if there's a will for that, right? It doesn't seem like there's a will for that. There's just not a desire. They, they, exactly. It's just, there's a, I guess it's a 75 year history now of you know yeah. putting all your eggs in one basket and right. it doesn't matter who the management is. It seems it's, we're yeah. going to milk this cow until it's dry. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's frustrating because I, you know, and then you hear people talk about like, why didn't anyone like, <laughs> again, I remember Connor and his podcast being like when they were at St. Petersburg this season, it was this season uh, at the, you know, and, uh, and he's like, uh, he, he was walking to the track or something, or I don't know if he was right. And there were like people at a sports bar watching the formula one race or something, their race is going on literally like down the street, right? you know, and he's talking about it. And I'm like, I, it, it boggles the mind how there's this like level of, um, you know, shock or surprise sometimes among people. Why is it like that? And I, it, it's, it's like, well, look, there, I think it's, it's common, not that hard. To, I think it's common among out. racing fans to have their favorite and to kind of, you know, poo poo the yeah. other forms of racing. Right. Right. In car yeah. fan, it's like, Oh, NASCAR. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, they, they ran a, they ran a, a NASCAR cup car at Le Mans this year. And right, right. I, I yeah. think that the the key to come out of that was the level of, you know, okay, the technology of the car is not the same as it is. Sure. But the level of the engineering capability to work yeah. on that more basic car is every bit as good as it is in IndyCar sure. or Formula One or anywhere else. Yeah, I like it went pretty well. It seems like right they um and they finished the race. And yeah, the they race. had to, they had to change the gearbox. I mean, it was an exhibition yeah. entry, and normally if your yeah, gearbox yeah, took a dump, you wouldn't be able to change yeah. it. But because right, it wasn't right. competing against any other, right? Because who you, you can't know, compete against anyone. <laughs> when you're I, I think it was. I think it was really. It was really good yeah. for NASCAR. It was good for yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure, the, for sure. The, yeah, the interest in sports car racing. I yeah. saw, you know, some sports business journal graphic or something. It was up like 130% this year. Oh, interesting. So, interesting. yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's my plug. It's a golden era for sports car racing. All Get right. Get bandwagon now. All right. All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess not, if you've been <laughs> saying it a lot already. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's sad. And then I think it's, I don't know if it's because of that, that, 
Um, a lot of fans, I feel like, also have that attitude of like you were talking about, like the announcers and the people, you know, a lot of fans will not hear anything negative oh, about yeah. IndyCar. Yeah. They will not hear it. They la, 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 yeah. you know. Oh, that's like, Lewis Hamilton fan, too. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, come on. That's not true. <laughs> As a Lewis fan, I don't think that's true for everyone, but... Um, of course you have in every in every fandom there's people who are um you know a certain way uh but then you have i think lots of other kinds of people lh44 baby <laughs> team lh hey there's nothing <laughs> wrong with having you know your favorites your no there's, there's not there's hey i'm i'm that. team team david gilmore you know so. okay <laughs> okay i uh yeah i and it's 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 frustrating because it's like you i've actually gotten into like you know like not fights with people, but like the, you know, where I, I say that, well, you know, this IndyCar should do this, this, or this should be, they're not doing this well. And people are like, no, 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 it's a lot better no. than it used to be. And, and well, I'm like, well, that's not a, that's not a path to success. <laughs> uh, IndyCar fan, you're right. It, it is kind of a special breed that there it's, you know, thou shalt not speak evil of our, our right. beloved series. Right. Or especially it's, the Indy 500. Um, and it's it's the Indy 500 even more so than, than IndyCar well, itself. Yeah, because, yeah, and, and, yeah. And the big thing about the, the 500 and the Speedway is, is that and, and they have created place fans as opposed mm -hmm. to race fans. They've created Indy right. 500 fans who aren't necessarily IndyCar fans. Because right. if, if they got right. a 2.9, which they're bragging about their 2.9 rating for the Indy 500, yeah. it was an 8.4 yeah. in 1995. So they're wow. bragging about their 2.9. And, oh, and it's man. like, all right, why are 2.9, you know, or 4 million or whatever the, the number is, then how come yeah. you're getting a 0 0.42 for Detroit yeah. Yeah. or, or whatever, you know, come on. This is what I mean. You've got to, you've got to. Yeah. And that's what these sponsors look at. They Place look at that fans, TV number. Not race fans. No, but that's it's, it's exactly, exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They are and IMS yeah. fans yeah. as opposed to IndyCar fans. Right. 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 Yeah. Which you I mean, know, more power to the Speedway for doing that. They've sure. done very well. Sure. But it, right. it's it's right. a lot of times over the last 60 years or whatever, what's good for the Speedway is not necessarily good for the sport. Right. Right. Yeah. It's uh, so you don't and you don't think it'll change at all with I mean, Penske is, you know, they're also a team. So no, because I mean, the thing about Penske is there's 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 more of a leadership by fear you know people it's, <laughs> it's it's stronger leadership people know they need to to get in line and you know yeah. say all the right message points and all that it's mm -hmm. it's a different style of management and yeah um penske's great at presentation everything looks beautiful it's shiny it's polished but <laughs> he's he's rarely had to sell a product whether it's truck mm -hmm. leasing whether it's anything else and they're you know even the sponsors you know, yeah. whether it's Marlboro or whoever, they came to him, not the other way. Right. And so they, I don't, sometimes I just don't think they know what to do when they actually have to do the work. Yeah. yeah. Well, that doesn't bode well for the future, does it? <laughs> you know, the Indy, you, we've seen, uh, you can't kill the Indy 500s. In, right. Indy no, 500, of course. You know, two of world course. wars, yeah. two splits, you yeah, know, whatever. No, no, you you can't kill the yeah. Indy 500. Yeah. But if they kill the series, then you open up that possibility. 
Yeah. You know? And there's all these yeah. people saying, well, bring the Indy 500 back is just a free for all. And, you know, you can bring a stock block V8 or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> that would be insane. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's true. It's uh, uh, I remember um, it was a funny moment in the um, press conference in F1 after Monaco. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but they uh, uh, um, Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso were they were kind of like they were asking Esteban Ocon the question who, you know, got a surprise, you know, P3 and uh, and and Max was like to Fernando, he's like, it's what time they're like, they're like, we're going to miss the start of the Indy 500. <laughs> and because um, they were interested in watching it, even though whenever F1 drivers get asked if they are going to go do it. Um, no, nobody they, wants to run an oval. Nobody, no, nobody, no, nobody wants to go into the wall at 220. They're scared to death. They're scared to death, even no. though there's all this safety now. Um, well, they haven't yeah. killed it. I mean, until until the, the kid, the French kid went under the tractor in Japan a couple right. years ago. They hadn't right. killed anybody since 94. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people still yeah. die in IndyCar racing for, you know, unfortunately. Right. True. They, they yeah. haven't in, in, God, what was the yeah. last one? Was it Justin? Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, but it's still, yeah. the point is it still happens. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, no people, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I would be, I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. No, it's, I, it's, it's, it's a very, very specific type of skill set and bravery to, yeah, to go right. around that exactly. place it yeah. really is yeah for sure for and sure. some guys adapt to it yeah and some guys don't yeah yeah it's uh it's i mean yeah I, again, it's it's I, it's the world's fastest four corner road course and they all look the same but they're all a little different and, and it's, right. i it's, know i've heard in, i find that of, fascinating car setup and everything it is an yeah. extremely fast four cornered road course yeah yeah i find that fascinating that there's the i don't i don't even know what the differences are or anything like that but i i remember when uh i, I saw someone talking about that i was like oh really because you know they all look the same right but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah there's um that's 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 fascinating and um and yeah there's uh but that's like like i've here tell me if you think um and then we're gonna probably start wrapping up but i tell me if you think this is a stupid idea because people are always talking about like indycar fans and drivers and other people are always you know um uh uh angry at the fact that f1 gets so much attention and of course they don't and yada yada uh and that especially now with the u.s uh you know uh heightened interest and all that and they're like hey we've been here the whole time um <laughs> but yeah, and you're um, running the same car you ran in 2012 yeah there is there's that oh it has new I body didn't... work and a windshield <laughs> a windshield Screen, excuse me. No, but that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I like that. Um, I do. I do. I, I. That is something I run into when I'm like trying to tell people to get it. People who are interested, especially in engineering and tech, you know, you tell, you know, try to get them an Indy car. They're like, I'm not interested in watching those cars. No, there's they're spec cars. It's it's a 12 year old yeah. engine formula. It's yeah, a 12 year old yeah. chassis, and unfortunately, right. yeah, the car people aren't interested in it. And you right. can say, oh, right. it's the yeah. closest, most competitive race. Well, NASCAR is actually closer and more competitive. But, yeah. you know, yes, it's closer and co more competitive than Formula One. Yeah. But there's a reason for it. All the exactly. cars are the same. All the exactly. cars have been developed for yeah. years, you know. Yeah. It's, you, yeah. you can't. And, and that's silly. why, you know, and, and of course, race fans, they want 30 cars and a, you know, 
pack racing to the photo finish and all that. Yeah. I have yeah. more respect when some guy goes out like Alex Pelot does and wins an IndyCar race by 20 seconds when he's racing the same car against everybody else. Yeah, that's else actually Because insane. that's a true demonstration of greatness. That's right. That's so right. what if they would, if, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. what are you there to see? Are you there to see a photo finish or are you there to see the best driver that day? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually incredible. Um, yeah. He's, I really like him too. I forgot to mention um, because he's like the, when I first was getting interested in IndyCar, I thought I like Pato. I have changed my mind. Yeah, he, he's, he's a bit of a punk and, and his mentality. Oh my he's God. Gonna hold him he's just, he's, he's the, too no, much no, of a, no, he's a hothead. He's, He's the IndyCar Max Verstappen, and uh, there's <laughs> without without all the talent, but with, well, yeah, well, you know, I guess we'll. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's or he's, he's, got, he's he's got quick hands. He's and everything, talented, but, but you know. he's yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, and who talks? I thought that was anti IndyCar. I was told that you do not talk that way. That now I'm going to put him in the wall. You know, basically like that. I was told that that is how come IndyCar drivers are able to race on ovals because you have to trust the other guys, you know, the third part of well, even, even, even Scott, me. Even, well, yeah. And of course you saw Dixon's response to that long beach. Yeah, that's the way he wants yeah. to race. He'll get right, a little taste of it right. himself the next time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. you know, but like, well, we'll see how that goes. I can tell you in F1, when it happens to Max, it, it doesn't work at all because he thinks that only he's allowed to do those things. Um, but anyway, <laughs> which I, that's why Lewis, I feel like with Pato. Lewis is better with dirty moves than Max is. Max is a little bit rougher around the edges. Lewis has <laughs> perfected the dirty driving and he gets away with it. <laughs> okay. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a perspective. That's, that's a perspective. Um, there's a lot but, of blame to go on both of those guys. No, of course, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I yeah. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, Pato. I mean, yeah. It's. Uh, um, I I think that uh, I think that he. I don't know how he thinks he's ever going to win a championship or a five hundred or a, you know. His his the, the, like the move he tried to make on Ericsson and Indy five hundred was just stupid. That was yeah. that was a zero percent move. There was no point. And and he said I don't know if he's changed his mind. I don't think he has. I mean, I don't know, no. but days after he was like, I don't regret anything. I was like, Really? Really? You you don't? You could have finished whatever was he, third or what the what yeah. you know. You don't regret anything? Okay. I mean <laughs> that's that's why you're not gonna win. A championship yeah. or a possibly a you know or five that's okay cool he's got a really cute um puppy though so oh that's cool you know that's <laughs> you haven't seen his puppy no oh i got okay. oscar oscar's back though oscar's cute oh oscar <laughs> yeah no pato you have to um you have to check out Pato's i will puppy. i will try to check it out i watched yeah, I, I, I watched 100 the, days to india and i don't remember the dog oh the i don't dog know if they had there. i don't think he was in there yeah i don't think he was in there what did you think of 100 days to indy by the way yeah, it was all right i mean yeah it, it was it was so so yeah. i i went into it with the sylvester stallone movie driven as <laughs> as my benchmark and it did exceed it did exceed that yeah, I don't know if um, it's a high bar. Right? It well, a very low bar. I had very yeah. low expectations. So it, it it met my very low expectations. Ah, it it's yeah. the best thing I can say is it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. Um it yeah. had it had some moments. I thought it was it was kind of interesting to learn about like 
McLaughlin's parents and his wife's parents and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's the part I'd actually. So really I, I, enjoy. I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed that stuff. Um, yeah. I thought that when they did the last episode for starters, they needed to devote a lot more time on the five hundred. Yeah, it, it needed yeah. two hours, and but right. you know. They only every, have every, everything I said, you know, about oh, the Indy 500 is the greatest, greatest, greatest. You know, they just they <laughs> totally ramped up the Indy 500 cheese in the last episode, right, and I thought that kind right. of devalued it a bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, I mean, even of course, again, the whole concept, you know, hundred days to Indy. Like this is what I mean. Again, that this is. Uh, I mean, I'm glad. All... I'm glad they got a, a a result that worked well for their program. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. You know, I yeah. if 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 Simon Pagano wins, what's happening? You know, what <laughs> right, happens? that's not I mean, as exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah. as nice. Yeah, that would be that would be less uh, uh, less of a less of a good ending. Um, so good for I, Joseph. I I personally yeah. I I I only root for Scott Dixon at the Indy Five Hundred because, and it's what you talked about earlier that people. Well, I like great, him too, of course. People he's put like a, the goat. Yeah, IndyCar, but, but right? people in America put a greater value on an Indy 500 win than they do on a championship. Right. And Which, unless you win multiple Indy 500s, you're you're nothing. And right. even Mario Andretti gets that, you know? Yeah. The guy yeah. is arguably the greatest race car driver of all time. Right, right. But, oh, shit, he only won yeah. Indy once. A.J. Ford yeah. won it four times. He's four times the driver. Mario must be... You know, yeah, so no, until that's... Scott Dixon wins another Indy 500, he will not get the respect that he deserves. And that is that's tragic. insane to me. That's that is insane. tragic. But that is that's the result of this yeah, cult that right, they built right, around right. the Indy 500. It is a cult. It is a cult. It's a problem. It's a real problem. <laughs> I just, and you wonder why I'm off sides with these people. <laughs> no, I yeah, I, under, I understand. I'm 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 understanding more and more. Yeah. Um, but um anyway, we should probably start wrapping up, even though I could talk to you for like five <laughs> more hours. Uh and maybe we'll do it another time. Um, do another but, episode. I've had a long day. I drove home from Watkins Glen today, so <laughs> Oh, I know that that's right. That's right. You're oh, I know someone who was at and, that race. Actually, I'll tell you, do you what? know what? The person who was who I know who was at that race is the person who recommended your book to me. Oh, no kidding! Um, and who's that? Yeah. May I ask? Um, I uh, well, now that I think about it, I guess I don't know his name. Um, he's a marshal and he likes to stay anonymous on. Uh, okay, that's cool. Uh, social, yeah, but he. Uh, well, I'm I'm happy to hear it got some positive word of mouth. So yeah, yeah, that's he's awesome. marshaled for for I guess a long, long, long time. Like he's and he's done. Uh, uh, um, he and we first started chatting when I. Um, uh, I think it was the day that I got, you know, um, let's just say most IndyCar fans probably don't like me, or at least a lot of them don't, because I I made a whole uh, thing out of the um, IndyCar ministry and the invocation and uh, the, the, you know, I mean, I, I again, I know this is an American motorsport thing, but I, I find that really off-putting, and I think that that's probably... Uh, I think I don't, I don't think I'm the only one. There's got to be other fans. And I did hear from some people who were like, "Yeah, I don't like that either." But, I'm not a religious person, so yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I, well. I don't think it matters if you are a religious person or not. It's not the issue of it's religious. It's it's that it's only one religion that's yeah. being represented. So that's yeah. really the issue. But anyway, um, <laughs> hey, they they do do the Canadian national anthem in races in Michigan. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
it's uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So he he's the one that recommended you, and he went. Well, he was there as a spectator at Watkins Glen, okay. which I think uh, I think he really enjoyed because usually he's marshalling. So he's that was nice. a nice uh, change of pace. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had a he was marshalling at the Montreal Formula One race. Um, and I was, yeah, I was following a lot of his, uh, okay. uh, funny comments and yeah, he, uh, like he had, it was the insight of that. There was at one point when there was, a uh, what seemed like a yellow flag for like 30 seconds. And he said, um, he, cause he watched it later, you know, and he said, and, and, uh, Martin Brundle was really confused what was going on. And then it went green and he's like, I can tell you there was a suicidal, uh, uh, badger or something or oh. <laughs> I ran out. I think I saw a picture of that. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I got Montreal. There gets a lot of wildlife there. Apparently it's, uh, it's nuts. Um, <laughs> but, um, well, but where can, um, uh, if people listen to this and we're like, this, this John guy is really cool. Uh, <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to follow his work and what he's doing and what he's up to. What, where should people go? Well, if you want to find my current work, I do a lot of the content for IMSA. Uh, the it's posted on their website and it's mm -hmm. distributed to media list, fan lists and things like that. So imza.com is one place to find my musings on sports car racing. Um, I do have a website, but I'm not much of a self-motivator when it comes to just, <laughs> you know, typing something for the sake sure. of typing something. I, sure. There's, there's got to be an assignment or a paycheck or something on the line. I, know I, blame you there. I know I should do better, but you can go to johnoreovitz.com. It's O-R-E-O, -E like the cookie, V-I-C-Z. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, uh, you can always just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on social media. If you want an autographed copy of any of my books, just reach out to me. I, I do PayPal, I do Venmo and all that stuff. And, uh, nice. and I, and I generally move stuff for a, a discounted rate too, to people that say nice things about me. Oh, well, I'm sorry I paid full price for this book in that case. <laughs> but I guess I'm glad for you. Well, my son's <laughs> education fund thanks you. You're you're very welcome. Education is very important, so I feel I feel good about that. Um I feel I feel positive about that contribution that so I So I'm in I'm in uh Vintage Motorsport magazine occasionally. Okay. Um, yeah, you can get my book at Amazon. Right. Or octanepress.com. They're the publishers. Yeah. Or bookshop.org. I imagine they do. It. Yeah. I'm thank sure you for thank do. you for the tip there. It's... If people don't know, uh, if you don't want to, um, if you want to buy from someone less evil, um, bookshop is um, they uh, it, it basically they um, help out independent bookstores. But you, it's like an Amazon, but I mean only books, obviously sure. not not other things. <laughs> but I try to get things from there. Um, but um, yeah, John, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, uh, Anna. It's It's been a pleasure chatting with you for, shoot, we're going yeah. on two hours now. So. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I thought this was going to be way shorter. I really did. I don't know why, because there's so much to say about all these things. I well, see, it's that versatility. You can talk about all kinds of racing with me. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That must be it. See, you're doing you're doing well at the self-promotion. You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you may not want to type things on your website but you're doing well in in every other respect i think well thank um, you yeah well we'll have to do it again sometime we can uh i'm sure there's many i mean i mean god there's so many there's so many other things we haven't even we haven't even touched on we definitely have to do this again well you know um, where if, to find if me if and, and 
And I, I got to yeah. check out a couple of your earlier episodes to yeah, see what other yeah, people have should. to say. Yeah, we had, um, uh, we did have uh, Willie T on. Um, this was a while back. Uh, and then actually he is going to be, uh, well, okay. I hear people a little. Uh, There's a good you. man. Yeah. Willie T's got, he's got an opinion or two. <laughs> I love him. I love him. Uh, what so, was, what was the movie called? Uppity? Yes. Yes. It's, yes. It's, which you know, I, I realize that's not a flattering term, but he em, he embraces it. For, oh yeah, no, you know, I, I love aspects him. Of it. I yeah. love him. I will put a link in the show notes for you guys to check out that episode if you haven't. And um, sneak peek, um, tentatively, it's not a hundred percent because we have to work out dates and whatever. But Willie is probably going to uh, be back on at some point after uh, Silverstone because he's going to be there in Silverstone for F1 ambassador duties. Uh, So yeah, we're, uh, we're going to probably talk to him again. He's so lovely. He's so he, for people just a little behind the scenes when the first time we had him on, I actually like, I messaged him on Twitter and I was, uh, you know, and then he gave me, he gave me his cell phone number and I was like, are you like, we just, do you give out your number to random people on the internet as a matter of course? And he was like, I'm not afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, his son's an expert marksman, so. Right, know. right. So, you know, I guess he's, yeah, I know, I know. I, and it's very, it's very sweet. He posts about him a lot and it's, uh, it's very nice. Um, yeah. So anyway, thank you guys for listening and or watching. If you've gotten this far, we really appreciate it. Um, of course, you can uh, find all the show notes and everything that we talked about either in your description below or in your podcast app. And of course, you can also always go to racingincident.com and find everything there. Um, and again, don't forget to subscribe in all the places if you're not already subscribed. If you came here just for John, you know, which like I get it, but um, check us out the rest of the time. <laughs> you need to, you need to, as Jim Rome would say, smash that like button. That's right. Get, That's get, right. You know, subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> do everything. Support yeah, do all Anna. the things. Yep, thank you. So. Yes, agreed. But but agreed. thank you for having me on, and thank you to all who have. Uh, had the patience to, to go for two hours of me brambling on. <laughs> Hopefully lots of people. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. And then, um, uh, that is really it. Oh, if you want to email us, it's uh racing incident pod pod at gmail.com racing incident pod at gmail.com. Happy to hear any questions, comments, suggestions you have. Let us know what you thought of this episode or any others. Um, and yeah, that's it. We will uh, talk to you next week after Austria. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it to the end of the show. We are a small independent podcast and we appreciate each and every one of you. Racing Incident is hosted and produced by me, Anna Tarkov. Tasha James is a contributor. Audio and video editing is by Christopher Kane. You can find all our episodes at racingincident.com. Thanks again for listening and remember to always keep pushing the limits. What's happened with Max? Nothing, just an incident on the race.